Hey everybody, Payments Professor here, and today we're bringing back, uh, I'd have to say a regular to the Payments Podium, it's international, global, faster payments expert, Andrew Gomez. Andrew, welcome back to the show. Thanks, Kevin. All right, Andrew is here today to be able to talk about what's happening in the world of faster payments around the globe and how we're seeing them you know, more and more faster payments are taking place. And in that, while we're seeing the faster payments taking place, are we seeing a decline in other payment channels, specifically ACH? So Andrew, let's just start with that right away. You've told me, you know, when we look at all the countries around the globe, they, they start implementing faster payments, we start seeing growth in those payments and those faster payment channels. What's that causing? What's that effect on other payment channels? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I would say it really differs um, from country to country. And it's not because the faster payments or the instant payments, whatever you want to call it, is, is somehow different in, in these different markets. I mean, they are slightly different. But what really matters is the value-added services built on top and what they enable and what the ecosystem supports. So a perfect example of this would be the UK, where you know faster payments in the UK was live in 2008. They immediately fed in a bunch of a bunch of payments um, that in the U.S. would traditionally be ACH, and frankly, in, in many other countries, still are ACH even when 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 instant payments go live there. Um, but you know, the, the U.K. they made a decision to move that stuff over. And what's interesting is they didn't really focus on the P2P app side, right? I mean, back in 2008, smartphones were were available, but they weren't as popular and you know as ubiquitous as they are now. And so the UK really never developed this, this P2P function. And so all the things that built on top of that, right, the point of sale, e-commerce, uh, bill payment, that never really followed. And so what ended up happening is, while faster payments is still very successful, they have several billion payments in the UK, right? And you know, just for perspective, I think the UK, the population is around 65. That, that was billion with a B, right? Yeah, there was billion okay. with a B. Um, you know, despite that it's, you know, less than one fifth the size of the U.S. population, um, you know, it still means that card volumes are growing very, very quickly. If you look at, look at markets, though, like, say, Sweden, Sweden, I think is a really perfect example. Thailand would be another good one or India. Um, these are countries where the app uh, does have the functionality to allow for point of sale or e-commerce or bill pay. And there we see that they're competing a bit more with cards, um, but the ACHs are, are continuing to grow in those, in those markets. So what's, what's ended up happening is um, in the first few years, P2P takes over cash, um, which is you know, in some markets a lot more than in other markets, right? In Thailand and India, there was a lot more cash than there was in say in Sweden, um, but they even start to compete with cards. Um, now, I don't mean to say that card volumes are falling in these markets. Um, they just might be growing at a slower pace than they used to be. Um, and then you have markets, I think Spain would be a good example here with, with their app Visum, where it's been around for a few years. Um, P2P is, is growing still very strong there. And they're starting to branch out into, into e-commerce and, and point of sale and bill pay, but they haven't quite gotten you know, the same amount of, of traction there as they have in like India or Thailand or whatever. 
Well, you know, you've already unloaded a whole lot of information right there. I, yeah. I want to back up for just a second. Uh, P2P taking over cash. I, I know you and I have had conversations about this before. And that, that to me, you know, I didn't intend for this to be the benefits of faster payments, but a benefit of faster payments is you're spending less time handling cash because you have an option that's able to supplement it or be a, a complement to it. Mm -hmm. um, is, is that actually true that, you know, again, these countries are having to deal less with cash because the faster payment option is able to complement what cash would have done before? Yeah, ex exactly. Um, you know, I think Sweden's a bit of an extreme example. Um, there's some really great graphs from, from the Swedish Central Bank showing the amount of cash in, in, in use in the economy has shrunk. Um, I mean, I don't know the factor exactly, but I believe it's less than 10% uh, of transactions today in Sweden are done in cash. I mean, it's really, really small. Um, in markets like, I mean, with India, it's a bit difficult because, you know, they have a, such a massive population and a lot of people there don't even have smartphones or feature phones. I mean, they live on a couple dollars a day. So, you know, maybe that's not the greatest example. But if you look at the the, the wealthier Indians living in big cities, you know, who, who do have, say, Western European or, or North American lifestyles, um, you know, they're using a lot less cash, too. Uh, in fact, one of my colleagues is from India and uh his brother is about to come to Berlin to visit him. And they were, you know, making payments back and forth between each other for things like the flight and the visa costs and mm -hmm. all this kind of information. And they're using their, their UPI enabled apps. Um, oh, cool. Yeah. And so it's, and it also, his works even outside of India, which is also really nice. Um, and so, you know, I, I think cash is really the big one. Um, you know, in the, in the U.S., there's still a lot of checks, right? I mean, I didn't yes. mention checks with these markets because, um, frankly, checks are very a very American thing. Um, there are very few other countries that are so reliant on checks. Uh, Canada, to a certain extent, um, France would be another one. Um, but, you know, checks, I think, are, are a perfect potential victim of, of, you know, faster payments in the U.S. Um, I'm not sure... I mean, there are certain use cases where I see why, why the check is still being used, and especially in certain demographic groups. Um, but I think that's changing. You know, my, my, my father, who is not a, what would, I, what would I say? He is not exactly technologically inclined. You know, he doesn't, he only writes checks if he absolutely has to. And, you know. Really? He, yeah. And so, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't do it at all, but, you know, he tries to avoid writing checks. And it's not because I tell him to. It's because he finds them inconvenient and he doesn't like having to carry a checkbook. OK, funny thing. My mom is at the other end of the spectrum. She writes checks for everything. And, uh, you know, she's at the age she needs a lot of help with certain things, too. And I've tried to get her to shift her finances over to being electronic to make it easier on me. But no, she likes writing the checks and even tells me, you know, take this to the mailbox at this time on this day. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, that's that's a habit that's got to change. But yeah. one of the things I, I want to definitely get to and address is I'm a huge fan of ACH. I mean, I, I've got kids that have gone to college because ACH helped support it, you know, and, and payments were made via ACH for those college, you know, them going to college too. So I'm looking at, and I love what's happening with faster payments. And I'm looking and I'm wondering what's going to happen to my beloved ACH because ACH, you know, unlike our faster payments, it's got the debit mechanism, which 
talking about the checks and paying the bills, that to me is the best way to have the recurring. I don't have to think about it. I know it's going to happen. Scheduled ACH debit coming in. I do still like, you know, my payroll coming in via ACH. But I see where Faster Payments has got all these use cases, all these ways that it can, again, complement, you know, I think the word to use here, complement the different payment channels. Is it going to eat into that ACH traffic in uh, those numbers that we see rise every year here in the U.S.? Can I expect, you know, maybe next year those numbers are going to go down? Uh, what, what, what do you think is going to happen? What have you seen in other countries? So the good, the good news is for the, for the ACH folks, and I'm sure there are plenty of them uh, listening to this, um, I don't see really very much, uh, let's say, organic cannibalization of ACH. And when I say organic, um, while there are some countries where the ACH numbers have declined when, when the faster payment systems went live, they did so because of a policy choice, not because of market forces. So as I mentioned with the UK earlier, they made the banks and the bank and the payments community there made a choice to send certain types of ACH payments automatically into the system. There are other markets that are doing this too. Um, Australia is probably going to shut down um, its batch system in a couple of years. Um, the Netherlands has made a decision that all uh, single initiated consumer payments will be handled in real time. But that, so, but you know, if you don't have these kind of, let's say forced migrations or choice migrations by, by the banks or the community, uh, you know, a good example in the U S would be the federal government. Um, then we don't see consumers, you know, moving payments to instant for the sake of doing that. I think there are certain use cases where there could be some migration, um, but in the end, there aren't very many examples of it. Um, I mean, I mean, if you look at Sweden, for example, I, I always go back to Sweden because the numbers are just so obvious. Uh, I, I pulled the numbers up and between 2012 and 2016, so this is the first five years where the system went live, ACH credits grew by 32% over that period. And this ACH is credits grew at the same time that faster payments were available? Yeah. And, and by the way, you know, the instant payment system went from, you know, zero up to right around 200 million transactions, right? And this is a country of 10 and a half million people. So we're talking approximately 20 instant payments per person per year. And at the exact same time, the ACH just in credits continued to grow. It went from, you know, somewhere a little over 800 million to well over a billion transactions. So the ACH did not decline. And by the way, that, 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 that growth rate slowed a little bit um, after 2016, but it's still growing um, in, the, in the high single digits, I believe. I don't know. I don't have the numbers on top of my head. But ACH, it's not the case that, you know, it slowed and then, um, you know, it's barely keeping up. It's, it just it never really stopped growing. Okay, I just want to make sure everybody heard what I heard. Faster payments were initiated in Sweden. Incredible adoption rate. I, I, I'd say 200 million amongst the you know population of 10 million is incredible. Like you said, about 20 transactions per person. And at the same time, the ACH credits still went up. That's huge. I think that's great information for all of us in electronic payments. But what, what, do you have the data on the debits too? What, what happens to the debits in these situations? 
Yeah, so debits also increased um, over the period. There was a slight decrease between 2014 and 2015. Um, and then from 2015 onward, it continued to increase again. So uh, in this period, there was an increase of about 1%, um, which was not that much slower than the previous growth rate. So basically, debits continued growing at the same rate that they were growing before, maybe slightly slower. Um, and credits actually continued increasing at a, at a higher at a high rate. So it didn't it didn't really affect anything. And by the way, um, you know, just to anticipate the next question, uh, wire did not somehow plummet either, right? I mean, it, it's not the case that somehow wires were cannibalized or anything else. It's, um, all all forms of electronic payments in Sweden continue to grow, and you know the obvious the, the obvious explanation there's there's several the first is it was eating into cash transactions um checks in sweden were essentially zero at this point anyway but also just the number of of transactions increased so what what things were happening is you know people were um using when you think about uh say subscription models right subscription models were increasing people were making lots of smaller payments um whether it was splitting bills with friends or sharing meals or you know, sending each other money for, for say, you know, buying a, a collective friend gifts. Um, just the number of payments just continued to increase. And so, you know, card volumes also were growing in Sweden. So it's, it's all types of payments continued to grow uh, with the exception of cash transactions. You know, this is awesome information. I, I recently had a podcast, a payments podium with uh, Rick Ray, who's a 50 year veteran in the, in the industry. And, you know, he's already retired. He was talking about the future of payments and mentioned those same subscription models and said, we are going to see more payments happen. And your, your data is backing up his same predictions that he's seen from all of his experience to hear that wires weren't affected. That one kind of blows my mind because I'm hearing from a lot of us financial institutions, they have concerns that faster payments is going to cannibalize their wire income. It's going to cannibalize the, the number of wires they're actually sending. And again, to use that word compliment, I'm really trying to drive into them that, no, this will just be an additional alternative, a compliment to your existing services, but it should not take away from them. So what I'm hearing, if I hear you correctly, is you've got the data that supports that. Yeah. I mean, I would really encourage banks not to say things like, oh, my ACH is going to be threatened or my, my credits are threatened or my wire is threatened. I would break that down a lot further and look at the SEC, at the SEC level and say, okay, you know, web debits, they support, you know, online payments, you know, whatever, whatever it is for whatever use case you want to think about, you know, based on, on their specific clients and think, okay, how will this be affected by instant payments? You know, because ACH credits, while it's one instrument, it actually fulfills a lot of different use cases. And the same thing mm -hmm. is true for wires. There are certain business processes that are in place, and that doesn't change overnight. You know, um, I mean, a, a great example or analogy would be electric cars. Um, you know, electric cars have been around for a while. The second electric cars came out, people didn't, you know, immediately go out and buy one and say, okay, I'm never going to refill gas again. It's not that simple. There are a lot of things that have to be in place that enable the switch from gasoline to electric cars in the same way that a lot of things have to be in place to enable a move from whatever payment, however you're making payments now, 
to how individuals and businesses and SMEs will make them in the future. And so, you know, take a look at your customers, understand why they're using the products that they're using. And then, and, and then you can start to understand, okay, how, how do we think this is going to move? And I would even, I would even, if I may be so bold, helping your client move from a more expensive product to a less expensive product is actually a really great way to, to keep that customer loyal to you. Um, now, I mean, yeah, you can keep on using the, 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 the more expensive product and there might be a very good reason for that. But there might other be there might also be reasons why the client could move over to a cheaper product, and when you do that, you build loyalty, and you that's a good. Right, can I give the other side of that one? Sure. Because I love that one, and I I have I've talked to people and said that same thing, but I want to throw in the but. But here's mm -hmm. another way to look at it too. With faster payments, you remove a lot of the friction that is happening right now on a lot of wire processing. You've got you know, increased speed, it's easier, it's just as safe and secure, if not more. And that to me means it's a value added service. It's an improved service that for some of the wires you bring over, it's an enhanced value added service. You might be able to charge more for because of how it's, what it's doing for them. In so I, I get ways, your yeah. point, you can build loyalty or you can also look at it as, hey, it's an enhanced service. And and that's and that's true. And I would that's why I would say look at the specific use cases. You know, there are some there are some, let's say, business reasons why you want a certain process to be made with a wire rather than with uh, an instant payment. And the very simple reason is there are issues around employee fraud. Um, there are other you know checks in place that businesses have been using for decades about how mm -hmm. what the, what information needs to be done and what checks need to be done before a wire is sent out. And you need to make sure that that still makes sense, but also that the right people have access to the tools that they need in order to do their job safely um, and effectively. So, you know, I, my only, my real point is, is don't group all types of payments together. Say, you know, all ACH credits or all wires or all check checks, you know, break it down into the individual use cases and go on a use case by use case basis and think, Think about how you can help your customers ensure that they're 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 doing things that make sense for them and that they get the value that they need. You know, it's interesting. The payments professor's got a quote that's been in a lot of my marketing material over the years. There's a place for every payment and every payment has its place. And it sounds like that's what you're saying right now is, you know, everything that we use today. And, you know, going back to where you talked about governments getting involved in regulation the U.S. has never retired a payment channel, and I don't think it's ever going to happen. So I do believe, especially with the data you have supporting this, we'll we'll continue to see growth in many of these areas. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, and the U.S. isn't alone, by the way. Um, when I first started doing research on Sweden seven or eight years ago, I think their ACH had 27 settlement cycles per day, one for each different type of credit payment product. And I think wow. now they're down to around 24. <laughs> so, um, you know, the U.S. isn't the only one where you introduce a new payment product. And that does. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you shut down old ones. Um, this is not a this is not only happening in the U.S. It happens in other places, too. All right. Well, Andrew, I tell you what. 
I got to challenge you here for a second. We've talked a lot about Sweden in comparison. Mm-hmm. And I know there's got to be people out there listening going, great, that's Sweden. That's not the same here in the U.S. What about some other countries? Are, is the data supporting this in other countries where they haven't made that, you know, government interaction to, to defeat or to stop or slow down other payment channels? Are there other countries where the data says your ACHs are going to still continue to grow, even with faster payments out there? So I don't know of a single, literally, I, I can't think of a single market. And I collect data probably on around 70 to 80 markets. I can't think of a single one where ACH has declined without, like, well, I guess I would say organically, without someone making a decision that, okay, all one-off consumer payments or all standing orders are going to be automatically moved. Um, like I said, there was the Netherlands where they made a decision, okay, all one-off consumer-initiated payments are going to be dealt with, you know, in instant. Um, you know, in, in Australia, they're talking about getting rid of the, the, the batch system. If you eliminate those, then no, I can't think of a single market. That's huge. That says so much right there. And, you know, I have a lot of listeners out there, too. Some of them that follow me on YouTube that are not necessarily payments experts. And they're so against the government and some of these payment channels. And I'm trying to explain to them that we're blessed here in the U.S. The government actually doesn't get as involved in our payments as other countries. And you just said that, you know, 70 to 80 markets that unless the government got involved, you continue to see the growth in the other payment channels. I think that's huge for the entire electronic payments industry as far as the message of what we can expect to see in the future. Yeah, look, I completely agree. And, you know, I think if you look at just the number of non-cash payments in a market, you know, and in I think I have numbers in the U.S. in 2021. There were approximately 530 non-cash payments per American per year. Now, that sounds like a lot. Um, in other markets, there are closer to 700. Um, in some markets, it's a little bit less. Um, and it's not that somehow they've mandated that everyone needs to make smaller payments and therefore make more of them. I mean, the number of payments is not limited. It's not, you know, the pie is... Uh, can continue to grow, um, and you know we're gonna we're we're gonna continue seeing this. It's not just the subscriptions in terms of you know your Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever, but you know we're seeing we're seeing car manufacturers exploring how um, you know they can sell you you know heated seats and you activate it on a monthly basis or a weekly basis, and so you can you only pay for the heated seats during the winter months. I guess for for you in Florida, that doesn't really matter. But me in Northern Europe, it does. <laughs> um, you know, and hey, I have those two days a year I need it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for me, it's more like I, I have two months a year I don't need it. Um, <laughs> but, um, you know, there's there's a lot of, of areas in which the number of payments are growing. A- another really great example is when you think about um, the gig economy. So not just your Uber drivers. Um, or the people delivering food, but you can also think about, you know, gardeners, babysitters, handymen, you know, so my wife and I just moved into a new apartment and the place hadn't been renovated in several decades. And so we had to get an electrician come in and, you know, do some work and, you know, inevitably he didn't have something and had to go to the store and, 
you know, buy it. And then, you know, he'd come over and then he realized, oh, now I need to go with this too. And, you know, before you knew it, he, he was coming over, I think he came over three or four times, you know, consecutive weeks. And he asked, you know, if we could, pay, how, how we wanted to do the payment. And I said, look, if you, if you give me your account information, I can pay you right now in front of, in front of you and you can see that I've paid you. And he thought like, yeah, that's fantastic. Thank you. And, you know, um, lots of little things like this, you know, before it would have been cash probably, or maybe he mm -hmm. would have had to go home, collect all the receipts, write down his hours, send me an invoice, you know, instead I just paid him with my phone when he was finished for the day and he gave me the receipts and that was that it saved him time. It saved him effort. And I'm sure he appreciated knowing that he had the money immediately. Um, you know, so there's a lot of little things like this where just the number of payments is going to continue to increase. And, you know, we haven't even mentioned the Internet of Things, right? I mean, that's if we think, you know, five or 10 years down the line, you know, when our refrigerators are automatically ordering, you know, eggs or milk or bread or whatever it is, you know, the number of payments can, can, can really continue to increase for the foreseeable future. All right, we're going to end on that because that could become a whole new conversation. What I, I got to thank you again for being on the payments podium. For all of you listening, Andrew Gomez works for Lipis Advisors. And Lipis Advisors is out there, not just in the US. I mean, you heard uh, Andrew talk about he lives in Northern Europe. They are studying the world, the globe when it comes to faster payments, looking at all the different markets that are out there. They do consulting, they do advising, they do a lot of research. If you want to get the best in the latest, most up-to-date information of what's happening in the world of faster payments, you need to get with Olympus Advisors. If you want to know how to get a hold of Andrew, it's Andrew Gomez. He is on LinkedIn. You can also get with the Payments Professor, Kevin at PaymentsProfessor.com. I'll definitely put you in contact. If there's a topic you would like to have on the Payments Podium, maybe a speaker you think that should be on the Payments Podium, also email me, Kevin at PaymentsProfessor.com. We'll do our best to make sure that we address that topic and that we get that speaker on. Other than that, I think this is the point where I get to say class dismissed. <laughs>